0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. Alternative rock group Man Friday is a brainchild of Zimbabwean-born musician and entrepreneur Rob Burrell. Heavily influenced by the natural backdrops of their Southern African setting, Man Friday turned their debut album, The Orchid, from 2002 into a musical that premiered at that year's Grahamstown Arts Festival. Man Friday released four albums in London before returning to South Africa to tour Waiting for the Flash in 2009. It was their following album, Train Rides and Radio Play, in 2013 that saw them sign a deal with V2 Records and relocate to Holland where they entrenched themselves in the music scene. Man Friday enjoyed great success in Holland with Train Rides and Radio Play charting at number 5 on the national charts. With their latest offering, Bridge North Road, Man Friday prepares to cross over a quarter century of their unique brand of conscious rock. Up next on Celeps we've got Rob Burrell from Man Friday. Where do we find you in the world? What's happening in your life and how are you doing? Um, you find
1: me at the moment in Cork Bay, Cape Town, uh, a little bit upset because I thought I had more, more, um, five roses of tea and I'm out. So I'm actually drinking rooibos right now, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't normally abide by, but I've got a man must do what he's got to do. I'm in Cork Bay without my, uh, my normal, uh, tea, living, living in though. Which, uh, I'm a big Zim, I was born in Zim, born and bred, uh, did my time at Rhodes, though. So I got my drinking stripes, uh, in South Africa in, in the late nineties and being kind of living a dual life between being a musician since, since kind of Varsity. Uh, and it's kind of the band that refuses to die. Man Friday has been like this year will be our 25th year for oh, music, wow. which is kind of, cra- which is kind of crazy. Um, and we're going to be talking about Bridge North Road, which is our sixth album. That we've released over that to the time, so you, every sort of three or four years, another album kind of bursts forth onto the scene. Uh, and that's Alex's life because, like all of us now, I'm 45. Got, I'm a father of two, and as of a few months ago, two more because i got remarried. Okay. Um So I'm a father of four, and like all of the band, you know, we've got these alternate lives, you know, because yeah, we we've got you know wives and mortgages and other jobs and stuff, and so it's been quite an interesting journey. Trying to for your twenties, I went wholesale. The band went wholesale into full time music in London, and that's kind of where our sound was, I think, largely forged as a sort of slightly grittier folk rock uh, combo. And and then we've just sort of never stopped, which is which is fun. And you know, it's been an incredibly, uh, I would say, successful not in this filling up stadiums uh, sense, but in terms of of people we've connected with and just how we've had this real like loyal almost cultish fan base for over two decades. And so this album that's coming out now, uh, it's an important one because I kind of think like the midlife crisisy y record is pretty genuine. And in your twenties, it's quite hard to figure out what you were writing about because, you know, your worries were like, do you have enough red wine and can you make rent? And as long as those things were kind of sorted, you were sorted, you know? And mm. so I find that songwriting and working, on, you know, working um, on this album with everyone else has been, pretty intensive and it's been quite real in like the hipster sense you know like this is a real record you know <laughs> <laughs> because we've had we've had real stuff to deal with um so yeah you find me today pensive and excited to get this all out but uh definitely got 22 and rearing to jump in a minivan and tour the states with uh another bad like you know i'm old and tired and wise
0: <laughs> where does the name man friday come from what does it
1: mean okay good question so uh, our very first time we got into 5 FM when that meant something, like that would be 98, you know, it was like a big deal. We were all huddled around the radio. There was, a, I can't remember the DJ's name, but they had this new music section. You're posting your demos, which are on tape back then, posting your tapes and cross your fingers, and uh, we we're all huddled around. And this one track we had, which was called Robinson Crusoe, but Robinson Crusoe was a uh, one of the tracks that we had, our the very first kind of demo. And it was the one that was noticed. So it was kind of like this lucky charm. And it was uh, like all Man Friday's tracks. It was like a G D E minus C kind of vibe. Uh very simple folk rocky stuff. And when it got into radio, that's the first time I thought, man, this is just the whole journey of just getting to this moment. It's been so much fun. Maybe I want to do more of this. And so we got a bit of funding for our very first album from that demo and we got him to radio for the first time from that demo so when we decided to call the band man friday at at the time we were called get this mind your head <laughs> which is like such it's such a student name right yeah, yeah. such a student band name. and i said to guys guys we can't be called mind your head it sucks like and i said let's make it some sort of something related to robinson crusoe because it's been a kind of a lucky track for us so we we thought about could being called Crusoe or a whole bunch and then I don't know if you know the story, but when Robinson Crusoe gets shipwrecked on the island, there's uh, a native islander on uh, who's been you know, who's who's who dwells there and they become friends and it's that character said, hold on, oh, let's just choose this character, let's call ourselves Man Friday and then why call us man with two ends was just like a cool thing to do. And it's actually been ridiculous because people can't find us on Spotify because they search for MA single end Friday, of which there's some like crazy rapper from Detroit. called M a single in Friday. Okay. So if you ever start a band, don't start some whack spelling of it, just like call it Coldplay (laughs) without a K, you know?
0: (laughs) Okay. So let's, you've mentioned some of the journey, but let's, let's rewind. How how did you guys meet? Was it a varsity? You mentioned the, this is a six album. So from the beginning to where we currently are, the hybrid journey version of man Friday,
1: it would be the the varsity era. Uh, which was... That album was called uh, Looking Up. Um, And we still play some of the songs off that track, that album now. So I think the songwriting was okay. We're all terrible musicians, you know, really bad. And then it was a shift from post-university to where do you want to go in the world? And I was like, I think I want to play music. So let me go to Cape Town. And so all of those band members, with the exception of my guitarist, Justin, he was moving to Cape Town for like a grad placement job. So I said, well, I don't have a job, but I'll move to Cape Town and we'll continue playing music. And so... The, there was the varsity format, of which one survived. Then I did Cape Town for a few years, um, and was you know pub jobs and living on the breadline. But we were playing a lot, and that's when we got this funding. And so this the next album called The Orchard was we got I think four thousand pounds from an anesthetist in London whose oh. demo tape, like yeah, was so obviously this guy was going through his own kind of like rebirth, and he thought I fancy being a record label, and I've just found these dudes, and he wrote to me, and I remember being. You know, in those era of university, we were in the labs, like the computer labs. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was. And I remember press, like pressing send and receive on my student number at ru.ac. That's an email address. And this email came to me and said, Hey, my name is uh, Dr. Pat, and I'm an atheist, but I've got a love for music. And I heard your demo. Uh, I'd love to finance it. So, so that's, that's quite a cool start. And yeah. so I, I was, I've always been a little bit of a dictator as the sort of front man and kind of band leader. So I said to people, like, either you're with me or you're against me, you are going to leave your jobs, and we're going to move onto to the banks of the Tia Vatis Kloof Dam, which is just outside of Cape Town, and we're going to live like Chili Peppers did in that house. We're going to go and live on the banks for two months, and we're going to record, like, this definitive record. And, and everyone did it. Everyone did it. Eh? So they all left the jobs, and we lived out in this little apple farm, hence the name The Orchard, and we wrote this 11-track album. And it was a super visceral time of my life. I would probably in 21, 22, as we the have of the band. Um, and we would, we had this, around ran quite a tight ship. Like every day we'd get up, we'd, we'd go for a swim in the dam to this raft, um, on a round trip. So we were all kind of getting a bit buff. We would play volleyball after breakfast for an hour. And then it was like work, work, work. Um, and I even said, girlfriends are only allowed out here on the weekend. I was like, I was serious. <laughs> eh? And so, so we did this record. And again, if I'm being honest, if I listen to the tracks, the musicianship, might probably be at the forefront of being terrible, you know, at what I was at my craft. I hadn't like picked up the guitar when I was eight or been taken under some pianist's wing when I was 11. I was just really kind of mostly from like gospel roots, you know, playing yeah. like scripture union songs. I was, that was kind of like my, but, but uh, the songs again, something in them, I'd say. And, that album, right on, right at the end of it, I was going for one of those swims, and I had this idea: uh, Why don't we turn this album into a show? Because having been at Rhodes, I was quite uh, close to the graves on Arts Festival and what it meant. Yeah. So I came back from like the dam, and I said to the guys, "Dudes, this album. Why don't we? Why don't we turn it into a stage production?" And they were like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, we'll sing a song, and then I'll show some slideshows in the background of like my life growing up in." Uh, because that's interesting to people and it was interesting because Zim in 2002 was massively topical like it was front page news in most countries because of the re- like what was going on there politically and the farm invasions and it was quite a topical place so I said mm-hmm. hey why don't we parlay this into something interesting so I wrote to the festival and Graham's Festival was like yeah we'll have your show and so with this like this album and this kind of quirky little theater production we did that show and we got spotted by a talent scout from the edinburgh festival oh wow and that's kind of the reason i tell the whole story is that's how it boarded us into like what causes a band to pack up its stuff and leave its cozy like catonian shores or whatever and go you know into the wilderness and that was it so i said to the guys listen these, this dude thinks there's a, a good show yeah let's let's move to to england do the edinburgh festival and then that that was the second rebirth because uh everyone listened to me that time drama was like no ways, man, I'm staying here. Bassist was like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. For the last month, and he's like, I oh, can't go. So I actually ended up leaving with said guitarist from University Justin. Now we've been together for whatever, four years. We li- and we, we we left without a bassist and a drummer. In the meantime, we we, we sorted one out. Of, and, and, and Ryan, who started to play bass, was with me for like another 15 years. And we did the same sort of show at Edinburgh Festival and it did really well. So at Edinburgh Festival, there's 1,500 shows. Of which 7% break even and we broke even like by, you know, by like the fourth or fifth show. Again, it was the timing and the fizziness around the topic that, if I'm being honest, that's what drew drew people to it. So yeah, and that, that brought us onto British, British shores. And that began a decade of really probably like the epicenter of music in all of our lives because we were all young and free and didn't have any commitments. And we spent that, that decade. Trying to trying to break it into the Lon- break the London scene in that next decade, uh, sunburn and wonder, which is a, which is kind of like a cult favorite, and the album Blue Sky Science was our, our third record that came out, and on that you bring my beat back was also quite a big hit. Now, when I say hit, you know, this was like in the hey at the at the side of the bar in the way out, we sold eighty CDs last night, kind yep. of thing. You know, <clears throat> we were, we we're properly on the breadline, and I think we made a bit of a tactical mistake in that it was so seductive playing to the Antipodean crowd. So when we went north to North London uh to these like real gritty British rock gigs, no one knew who you were. It yeah. was like tiring and cold and you lost money on the gig and you know and it was tough being a full-time musician. So you would kind of have this this like skew towards, hey guys, we've got a booking at the walkabout. They're paying us a thousand pounds and it's going to be full of all of our friends you know, drinking snake bites and talking about the Springbok game. I think that was a, a, a big mistake is kind of we got seduced by Antipodea and we spent too long camping out there. And I mean, a lot of the bands, it's what happens, you know, we, you know, when when the bands kind of reach some modicum of success in South Africa, they go and like try and make it in London, mm. but they're kind of booked up by other South Africans that are living there that want them to fill their pubs or their pubs. And we, yeah. because we had like no network like no real, oh, my uncle works for BMG. That shit didn't happen, right? So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that London was a great time, but we didn't quite break out of that pen and we got to some big gigs. We played Shepherd's Bush Empire, Clapham Grand, and we sold all these places out. O2, what's it called? The, the O2 Academy back yes. then. But you know, if I'm being brutally honest, we didn't quite shirk. This kind of nostalgia rock that I seem to keep writing because I missed home and I missed Africa and I missed Zim,
0: yeah.
1: And then people resonated with it. They were like the songs about a sunrise over the Zimbezi. the songs about a, and I, I wouldn't say in a cheesy way, but in a subtle way that kind of rang true. And that's kind of what Man Friday music has been. And and so to conclude the question on the on the sort of the the history of it, we did after the London days, I moved yes. to moved back to to, to Cape Town mm-hmm. or four or five years uh and then wrote uh, train rides and radio play which was kind of the beginning of family life and kind of settling down and in order to record that stuff it was tricky because i was in cape town justin was in london our drummer got spotted by peter jackson who did like lord of the rings that dude mm-hmm. for his uh, cg talent and he, he was po- poached to weta which is the weta digital league in new zealand so everyone's all over the world and then it a lucky thing happened during like the last couple of years in London, I had a, a, a friend from kindergarten uh, and I had this weird business idea to try and solve all of these migrants that are not living at home and like, of which we were one of them. How do you get value back to your mom or your sister or your whatever? Yeah. And so we started this company called Mukuru and I was like employed one and one Iran was employed two and I, I was, I coded this thing on a laptop on my double bed without a chair. And the oddest thing happened is this went from like one staff to two staff to eight staff uh, to 10 staff. And we got customer base and we were just so lucky. Right time, right place part of things. But what happened is Mokuru just kind of exploded. And like, like last, this week, I think LinkedIn wrote, I think it's ranked number six company to work for in South Africa. Oh, wow. Um And it's, it's like, it, it's become, it's almost a 20 year anniversary. And this, Kind of like, hey, let's just do this. The idea exploded, and so that added a lot of success in the financial sense, which gave us the firepower to keep Man Friday going. But it added a lot of strain. We went from eight employees to two hundred in about twelve months, and now um, yeah, we're in like sixteen countries. I think the Cape office has about eight hundred folk in it, and so that, that's been a really really interesting journey. And it it kind of I've had this this dichotomy kind of push me pull you of trying to keep a business with a lot of hope and, and steer that. And then also trying to be true to myself, which is um, I really want to play music, but the one has led, the one has kind of led to the other being, that's why the band refuses to die is that we can act. We've got the resources to to keep going. And so after the Cape town era, I had uh, my first kid, Jake and, like all people you struggle with uh, your first kid. And I, and I thought, I said to my wife, let's go back to Zim because man, we, that's where my, my folks were. And so after train rides and radio play, went back home and yeah, that's uh, five albums done or whatever. And uh, that that would be 2014. So we're catching up to where we are now. My crew, it was at a size where we had got like CEO and CFO and all the all the C-suite guys. So I thought, okay, I can can take, I can calm down now. And it'd been a, a really fun, but a, quite an exhausting decade. And headed to headed to headed back to Z, and then started sort of pottering around the White Picket Fence era. Uh, and, and so I started to write these sort of White Picket fancy songs, uh, which is the first seven tracks on Bridge North Road. You be careful when things are going well, right? Suddenly, suddenly wheels came on everything. I w- suddenly went uh, through a divorce, which, okay. I, which I didn't really see coming. And I, I speak about it now just because it's been. There's so many people that go through them, and yeah. they're, they're tough, and they're really tough. Mm. And so after, uh, after that happened, I sort of retreated to London to pen a few more songs about going through that fight for me, can't leave. And I think, uh, and hurricane, which are three of the tracks. There, this is what's so interesting about the record is that there's kind of seven white picket fancy songs, uh, <laughs> written over maybe as many years, like over seven years. These songs finding these little gems that were crystallized. And then I go back to London and work on three more of like, what has happened to my life? I've got two kids at this stage, and and then COVID hits, and as I COVID know. hits, so this is now like twenty nineteen or whenever it was. COVID hits at the back end of twenty nineteen. That's right, uh, right. twenty twenty, and uh, I'm, I'm thrust into like sort of single single dad mode, which is actually super enriching. You know, I found it being a single parent and having having two kiddies, and what that what that does to um, a man. Some parts of it were, were were so rich, and I remember just feeling, you know, super alive because um, you're going through a lot of pain. Uh, I'm sure we both were. You know, it's not easy for anybody. And in the middle of all of that, um, I kind of meet this kindred spirit who's also had a, a, almost like a mirror image outcome. And over the next two years, we start dating, and, I, and there's this kind of strange rebirth that happens. And so I go back into the studio. I write the song "Caravan in the Mist," which is about the two of us disappeared in this whole caravan, and that's when I kind of realized, man, like I'm gonna really be okay, and actually life is gonna be okay, and, and things are good, and I'm, I'm in love again, and and so track eleven is kind of is is this new rebirth song, which is which okay. is a great single, yeah. So this is a really important album because just by chance, it's got these kind of three phases to it, and, and uh, we actually got married. At Africa burn three months ago.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: I don't know if you've seen any pictures or heard of the big red heart, but that was that was that was my heart. Like there was a a massive like fourteen meter sculpture of a, a massive red heart, and we got married in front of it with a hundred friends from from Zim and around oh, wow. the world. So you look back and you look at the various states of mind you were when you, rec- when you sang a song and then recorded it. And then, you know, to be clear, I don't want to write another album like this because it so <laughs> almost killed me. Now that it's done and we are, we are, it, I just, I'm so proud of it. And also kind of understand a bit more about the human condition, uh, and how there's just so many new chances and new beginnings. And, and, and those tough, those tough times, I mean, yeah, they, they serve some purpose. Um well, and, and if I'm honest, yeah. Okay. If I'm honest, you know, getting this album out, it's gonna sound terrible, but I cannot wait for that thing to be done. I want it's getting launched on Spotify, you know, on all the DSPs. And I really want to see the back of it because you know, COVID, like in everyone's lives, put this strange pin in the normal, the natural process of getting stuff out. It was quite weird to sit on these tracks and not release them because you're waiting for the right time and all that. And so uh I really, I want to get this thing out, and I, and I never want to see it again. Like, I just don't want to see this album again. But it so, says, well, I mean, so, you'll so, still perform right. it,
0: but I mean, not necessarily experience the experiences that you needed to go through to create it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like being pregnant for for three years. You know, like <laughs> you know, it's not it's not right. You just want to be pregnant for nine months, like like normal, like all the other. Albums. Um. So yeah, I just I actually you know, I feel super blessed. As to where it all, it all landed. And in the end, it, it was kind of meant to be this, this very strange arc. And I think a lot of people can relate to a midlife crisis. And that's what I was talking about earlier, like relating, writing relatable content. If I had to look back at our earlier work, you kind of, it's slightly contrived. I mean, I I think you still felt like love and loss and all those things in the same, in the same way, but you're a bit young and you, you know, you're not quite sure what's going on. So it's kind of like what, you know, um, David Gray's White Ladder, not that I'm remotely comparing myself uh, talent wise to David Gray, but it had a massive impact because he was singing about like the money running out and the difficulties of being away because he's touring. And it, it was just like, this is a working man's album, you know? Same thing like with Bruce Springsteen. It's like, it's working man's music. That kind of yeah. and it's just how tired you fucking, he's tired and he's staring in the mirror and light, lights hard. Yeah. And I just think, for the first time it's, it seems like man Fridays in terms of on the authentic meter, this is our highest score, And it okay. feels good actually.
0: So you mentioned about the creative uh, writing the song. So diving back into that, some of the songs took a while to write or process or the experiences, but when you write a song, is it an easy process of writing a song or is it, do you find it challenging?
1: So I, I do sort of believe even though, you know, I, I, I've got fairly traditional views on things. I do kind of believe in this unexplainable power of the muse or that sort of divine, mm. divine inspiration thing because song, the, my songwriting process is very selfish. I, I, I generally, Manfred is not a jam band where someone comes in and says, hey, look at this dude. I've got this bass <laughs> lick and the is like, oh, well, let me work on that with a ka-ka-ka, ka and it's slowly, which is a sad thing because you get great bands that are jam bands come with the roof and they build it together. I'm quite a selfish uh, songwriter in that I need to feel it. And I sort of, I'm huddled away in a corner in my room with my iPhone on recording. And then I'll come back to the band and be like, guys, guys, I've written this song. That's historically how it's happened. And you need a special type of band member to be cool with that. Generally just good folk with low egos where yeah. I'm probably a bit of a dick with the big ego, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, and that kind of goes, that kind of goes together quite well, those combinations. Yeah. And so, when I am writing, most of the songs are written in about three minutes, two or three minutes. It's very weird. So I'll have my piece of paper next to me, a uh, guitar on my lap. I'll be, I'll be sitting at a table typically, and I'll, I'll have I'll – I've have had like a little – just a little ditty on the guitar. Kind of whenever I'm uh, at home a bit bored, I'll grab it off the wall and I'll play maybe for 30 seconds and hang it up and continue doing something like Then like next day, grab it off the wall. But I'm never singing anything. I'm just feeling like a lick. Some mm-hmm. sort of progression, and inside the progression, you've got all those six notes that meet the next six notes that meets the next. And in that sort of randomised mass, there's suddenly a melody that you're like, "This is interesting." And then suddenly, like it's like fishing, there's like a bite, and then a bite, bite, okay. and then suddenly the line, the line gets a hit, and and then you then I write The whole thing lyrically, and the melody, and the chorus, and, the, and then it's done. So it's kind of weird, and it's nothing that you train for or get taught or. It, it's just a. That's what's kind. Of, it's a bit spooky, especially the meaning of the song. Like I don't, you know, did not don't sit down and say I really would like to write a song about. You know, it just and then lyrically, when you take a step back, you realize this has got this common thread, and it, it seems to be about this. Okay. So it's awesome, and it's very cathartic. Even if you're not going through that same feeling, you can identify with someone else's loss or someone else's predicament. Yeah. And in the end, I'll then take that bare bone skeleton. To back to the band and that's where, you know, they, they piece together and they obviously will be like, why don't we shorten that to lengthen that? But generally, generally the track is there.
0: Okay. So now speaking yeah. of songs, I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in three days, three months, three hours, three weeks, I know and I recognize your answer will be different every single time. And I get that. But if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom? Great
1: question. Okay. I like the, bonf- uh, the uh, bonfire by the Hanna. So that's N A, and bonfire. Uh, it's like a, it's a rude London rock band. Great. I dig okay. that. Probably please forgive me by David Gray because it's a classic for me. Uh, crash into me by Dave Matthews band. I'd have to say murder of one by Counting Crows. It's the last track on the August and everything after album. And my last pick would be, uh, Keep your head up by Ben Howard. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. I think it is "Keep Your Head Up" uh, uh, by Ben Howard.
0: Oh, by Ben Howard. Okay, Ben Howard. Cool, great list. Those are my five. Okay, brilliant. Are you going to be working on a next body of work, moving forward, or you're just focusing on this for now and then seeing what what flows?
1: Yeah, I think I think what what if there's anything that would change is working on albums. I think the world is changing, and I have to say it. Like, I kind of feel that this album. Massive project length stuff. Uh, I also feel a bit fatigued from it. So yeah. I think what, what's left is I'm actually building a, a great studio at home. Um, and I think it's going to be a conduit for other local musicians around Southern Africa to come and record. Uh, and actually it's built on Bridgenorth Road. So Bridge North Road, the name of the album is the road I was born on. Okay. At, at the house I still live in. Um, and so Bridgenorth Road studios. Uh, is going to, I hope, be a fantastic place where we unearth new music, and we, you know, you're at Africa Burn, and someone comes into the open mic night, and you're like, oh wow, please fly up to Ferrari and let's capture that. Yeah. that that's the idea. And so, with now access to that level of uh, studio, I, I just hope it's. I'm sort of feeling it's. You know, if you build a lap pool in your garden, you're going to swim lens, right? Yes. Or if you. If you buy a mountain bike you just you're gonna go for for it so yes. i'm just I, i'm kind of doing this in a way to be uh to reinforce my resolve to not stop playing music because it's been a quarter of a century and i almost think the fact that we haven't been derived by like the stadium filling success which mm. then creates that was successful now this is not sort of mentality we've always just been hovering at, at around this level where we just never wanted to stop and i and so uh, building Bridge North studios, I think is, is gonna, yeah, it's gonna push me into action to wander through in my Andes with a cup of tea and, <laughs> and record that idea, you know? Yes. Um, hopefully there's no one else recording at the same time when that happens, <laughs> but, but that, that's the idea. So to answer your question, I'm thinking, you know, if my health stays intact, then another 25 years of Man Friday music. And like, I, I think the, the sad shift is, your brethren that you play with, so Justin and Michele, and you know, the guys that you've played with for so, so long, live all over the world now. And so you do find sort of soulful, spiritual, uh, breaking of bread that happens because you've been through times together and you remember that gig and you remember that festival, and you remember mm-hmm. that crazy chick at the, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. You don't share that with, with like, not session musicians is probably the wrong word, but, but maybe it is the right word. Yeah. You know, if I'm in Cape Town and I need a great piano part, I'll call up Emmanuel and he'll come in, and these guys will be the best musicians I've ever played with. But something is lost, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in that sort of bromancy time at the tiller thing. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know if I'll find that again. And maybe that season is over, but um, and I miss it a huge amount. I, I play with session musicians often because of geography, and they're all fantastic, and we put on a good show. Um, but on the off chance. Like, like for the wedding at Africa Burn, the band flew in from all over the world. And, and, and when we play together, people, you see both versions of the band, they're like, man, uh, that's like, you know, that's proper fire. And we can, and we can see it. And it's, it sounds even technically worse than when you're playing with uh, your session folk, but there's just that brotherhood and, and it's a cool thing to be part of.
0: As a finishing, um, message to the listening audience, what would you like to say?
1: Um, well, yeah. Firstly, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been cool, Thank man. I um, really appreciate it. Uh I would say I'd say I'll give, give Bridge Will Throat a spin. I think especially it's, it's not really curated for the 16 year old driving towards the nightclub on a Friday. It's mm. actually, it's actually all of us sort of midlife crisis 40 somethings that have had a bit of white picket and probably a bit of heartbreak and have probably struggled through life a bit. And it's, I, I think it's a, Cool resonant album in that sense that people will identify with it. And, and, and the fact that it just ends off on this high note of like love found and not lost. And, um, yeah. And I think it, it's ability to reboot your story and be the author of your own narrative at any kind of stage in life.